Let's pray. Almighty God, we come thankful that we are able to be in a relationship with you. And I just pray, Almighty God, that you open up our hearts in this moment to your word. Don't let us approach this lightly. May we be different because we encounter you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are in the series where we are looking at the minor prophets, and I have uh, inviting you to read them with me uh, each and every week, and I hope that you are doing that. Uh, we are halfway through today, and so we are finishing our sixth minor prophet. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can open up to the prophet Micah. Uh, and we're going to be looking at Micah uh, most of the day uh, today. Uh, now, the Minor Prophets are books that we don't often read. Uh, we don't study them as much as we probably should. Uh, I've noticed that as we've been in our Bible studies on Wednesdays, both in the mornings and the evenings. We've, we've, we've confessed a little bit together, and so we've confessed that uh, we haven't studied uh, Obadiah uh, much. We don't really do a lot of Bible studies on the book of Nahum. Uh, and so we have, we've, we've explored and learned of lots of things. My guess would be uh, is that when we think about the minor prophets, Micah is one that you probably feel a little more comfortable with uh, than necessarily Nahum. Uh, and so we know a little bit more uh, about Micah, or we study Micah, or maybe we just know some of the verses of Micah. Uh, we, we know that Micah says that there's going to be a, a day of justice when swords will turn into plowshares, uh, it tells us. And so we know that verse. We know that Micah, we use it a lot of times in Advent, so we know that Micah tells us that there's going to come a, a ruler out of Bethlehem, and so we, we know that from Micah. Uh, and the song that we just sang, we know that Micah tells us when we ask the question, what does the Lord require of us? Uh, and it's to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. But that may be all we know about Micah. Uh, we don't know the whole story of Micah and Micah does a really good job of one of the things that we've seen as we've looked at the prophets we've seen this tension that exists between the mercy of God and the justice of God and Micah does a pretty good job of being able to balance uh, justice and mercy uh, and so when you read that this week I would encourage you to kind of look and see how Micah uh, lays that out for us now before we read any of our scripture let me tell you just a really quick story it's the story of a young boy who is in school and his teacher asks him to draw a picture. He can draw a picture or any of the students can draw a picture of anything they want to draw. And so he begins to draw and she walks around and she's asking the students what they're drawing. And she finally comes to this one little boy. She wants to know what his picture is. And he says, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher's like, well, how are you doing that? I mean, we don't know what God looks like. Uh, nobody's seen God face to face. How in the world would we know if you're drawing a picture of God? And he said, well, you'll know it when I finish it. Uh, and, and, and the point of that is Micah kind of does that in that Micah's point is to try to help us see who God is like. In fact, we've been looking at all the names of the prophets. 
Micah, the name means who is like our God, who is like Yahweh. And so Micah's purpose is to try to lay out for us a little bit about who God is. And now Micah's writing once again to the people of Israel. We've seen a kind of a few where have preached to other people, but Micah is talking to the people of Israel and he is warning them once again of doom, but also giving them a message of hope. And Micah comes to this culmination in chapter 6 where you see this courtroom scene where God is both judge and prosecutor, but the people of Judah are the defendants. And God lays out a pretty good case against the people of Israel uh, and encourages them to be faithful, but acknowledges their unrestrained disobedience. And so we see this play out. And what I want to do is I want us to read the very end of it so in, or towards the end. If you've got your Bibles open today, flip to the seventh chapter. And I want you to hear these words, Micah chapter 7, verses 18 through 20. Who is God like you, pardoning iniquity, overlooking the sin of the few remaining for his inheritance? He doesn't hold on to his anger forever. He delights in faithful love. He will once again have compassion on us. He will tread down our iniquities. You will hurl all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will provide faithfulness to Jacob, faithful love to Abraham as you swore to our ancestors a long time ago. When we consider this passage and we look at the uniqueness of Micah, I want you to consider a couple of truths today about God and about the nature of God. What is, one is that God demonstrates forgiveness over our failures. God demonstrates forgiveness over. The charges against Israel are enormous. And we can go and read it. Read it this week and look at what they say. The charges against them are so large. But here's the truth. The charges against us are enormous, right? And then make it personal. The charges against Andy Postel are enormous. And I'm not calling anybody out, but I will call you out. The, the charges against Linda Bader are enormous. The charges against Beverly Powers are enormous. The charges against Tiffany Williams are enormous. And I could go to every single person in the room and I could go to every single person online. The charges are enormous, but so is the grace. So is the grace enormous. So look at what the specific charges, as you read, look at the specific charges against Israel. Chapter two. Flip back and look at chapter 2, verse 6. Because they reject God's word. Listen to what it says. They mustn't preach, so they preach. They mustn't preach of such things. Disgrace won't overtake us. They reject God's word, and so we have to stop and think, when do we pick and choose what we want to hear in God's word? That's another way of rejecting God's word. I like this part of what God says, but I don't particularly like that. So in essence, I am rejecting that part of God's word. We're no different than the people of Israel. Don't preach it. 
Y'all know that over the course of my ministry, people have come and said to me, don't preach. You're preaching too much about helping the poor. And the truth is, we don't like to hear this, but the truth is, and I know it in my heart, when someone comes to me who says, don't preach about the poor, probably in the heart is a little bit of materialism that, that we don't want to talk about. Don't preach about reaching our neighbor so much. But at the heart of that, we have made church about ourselves and it's internal don't preach about race at the heart of that is probably some prejudice that we got to deal with the truth is the gospel of jesus christ should confront us should challenge us should change us but we take what we like and we reject the other. That's what we see the people of Israel do. Look at chapter 3, verse 2. You hate good and love evil, who tear the skin off them and the flesh off their bones. Specifically, they were tolerating injustice. Church, we need to hear that today. Over and over and over again, we have seen the minor prophets speak to the church, to the people of God, or to the people who are treating the people of God a particular way, saying you cannot stand by and be idle while people are oppressed. You cannot stand by and be idle when people are being treated not the way that God would treat them. And that's what you see the people of Israel doing. They are tolerating injustice. Micah, if you keep flip, flip over, Micah chapter 7, verse 2. Faithful ones have perished from the land. Listen to this. Faithful ones have perished from the land. There is no righteous one among humanity. All of them lie in wait for bloodshed. They hunt each other with nets. For me, it makes me think of, of trapping. They trap someone. You're trying to set a trap to catch somebody in. Their hands are skilled at doing evil. Official and judge alike ask for a bribe. The powerful speak however they like. This is how they conspire. The good among them are like a briar. Those who do the right thing are like a thorny thicket. They, they reject the word of God. They tolerate injustice. They, they love evil. And then they listen to false prophets. If you go back to chapter 3, verse 5. The Lord proclaims concerning the prophets, those who lead my people astray, those who chew with their teeth and then proclaim peace, but stir up war against the one who puts nothing in their mouths. Specifically, they listened to the prophets that had the easier message. I, I could stand up here 52 weeks out of the year and just tell you that God loves you. And he does. But you would love those messages. Minor prophets, maybe not so much. Because it challenges, confronts us. But they just chose to listen to the easier message. To hear that God just will reward you for everything. To, to think about where am, where am I listening and challenging myself to really hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. As it is with Israel... 
it is easy for God to find fault with us. It's very easy. It's easy for God to find fault with each and every one of us. But what our text reveals to us, something about God, something that God demonstrates in our lives. If you go back to that original verse in chapter 7, do you know why God forgives us? It says he delights in us. He delights in faithful love to us. He delights in giving grace. I want you to think about that. We, and maybe it's just me. We, we find giving grace difficult, right? I mean, we find it, it's hard to forgive. It's hard to reconcile. It's hard to, to love someone who hurts you. It's hard to pray for your enemies. We show grace when we think it's the right thing to do. But God delights in giving grace. He delights in you. See, God is not out to harm us. God is not just watching, trying to find our faults. What we can see in this is that God wants to extend and delights in extending grace to us. We can also see in Micah that God delights in the relationship over the ritual. That verse that we hear so much in Micah 6, flip to it, Micah chapter 6, when the questions are asked of God, starting in verse 6, with what should I approach the Lord and bow down before God on high? Now listen to these questions. Should I come with him and entirely burned offerings with your old calves? So should I, should I come to, is it the way to approach God is to, to just simply present the best offering? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with many torrents of oil? So is it really about the magnitude, how many times I serve or how much money I'm able to give? Should I give my oldest child, the scripture says, should I give my oldest child for my crime, the fruit of my body for the sin of my spirit? Should I make the biggest sacrifice? That's what's going to be in my pocket that I'll be able to approach God with. He has told you, this is to all of us, he has told you, human one, what is good and what the Lord requires from you. To do justice, embrace faithful love, and walk humbly with your God. So God not only delights in forgiving us, God not only delights in extending grace to us, God delights in the relationship that he has with us and the relationship that we are to have with him. And he attests that in many ways. One, he attests that by his coming. Staying in Micah, look at chapter 5. As for you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, though you are the least significant of Judah's forces, and I love that part, even though you're the least likely to get God's grace. Even though you are the least significant of Judah's forces, one who is to be a ruler in Israel on my behalf will come out from you. His origin is from remote times, from ancient days. Jesus actually affirms this part that God wants to be in a relationship with us, that it's not about rituals, it's not about how many times you come to church, it's about being in this relationship with God. Look at what it says in Matthew 7. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will get into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. 
Now I want you to just all listen. I didn't put this on the screen because I want everybody to listen to what that scripture goes on to say. On the judgment day, many people will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we expel demons in your name? Didn't we do miracles in your name? Didn't we come to church every week in your name? Didn't we sing in the choir in your name? Didn't we come back when the pandemic was over in your name? Weren't we faithful serving backpack buddies in your name? Jesus' response is, then I'll tell them, I've never known you. Get away from me, you people who do wrong. Rules will never lead to obedience. I love him because he first loved me. Relationship leads to obedience. Relationship leads to the desire to want to do everything you can to please God. See, God desires that we choose to fall at his feet. He doesn't cause us to fall. He wants us to choose it. We have a choice. The people of Israel had a choice. And the truth is, ultimately, we will all respond. The way Israel describes it, or the way Micah describes it in chapter 7, verse 17. They will lick dust like the snake, like things that crawl on the ground. They will come trembling from their strongholds to the Lord our God. They will dread and fear you. They were humiliated. And their response was out of fear and dread. Israel could have responded by being obedient to God through that relationship that God offers. Each and every one of us, whether we're in this service, whether we're online, we have the opportunity to make today count, to be in a relationship with God. Micah does a great job. When you read it this week, he does a great job with trying to balance this tension between justice and mercy. The truth is, God is a righteous God and will not tolerate evil. We may not like that, but that is true. God will not tolerate evil. Punishment is inevitable if we continue to allow sin to persist in our life. We have to realize that. God cannot abandon his own standards of justice. It's against the nature of God to abandon that. But God wants something better for all of us. And that's what I love about Micah is not just simply that he gives us hope at the end, but he shows us the justice of God. But at the end of the day, what Micah says is that if you're going to describe God, if you want to know what God is like, I want you to use words like mercy and forgiveness and compassion and love and humility and faithfulness. These are words to describe God. We can spend all of our time trying to do rituals, trying to earn God's love. And what Micah says is that accept it. 
and then allow it to drive you to being faithful to God and obedient to God. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, we come thankful for your prophet Micah. We come thankful for his message. Lord, we know that you are a God who is just. But we also are so thankful that you are a God who is merciful. For all the mistakes that I make, please forgive me. And Lord, I pray that for each and every person that is here, whether they are in person, whether they are online, you have given them today. May we not waste it. May we accept your grace and be forever changed. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.